The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes, My Farm Radio, and thedealwithyield.com. Tweet any question you have for the hosts with the hashtag DealWithYield for your chance to hear their response. Welcome back. This year on The Deal with Yield, we will be taking audience participation from farmers like yourself. If you have any questions about your operation, tweet us. Using hashtag DealWithYield, Joel and I will answer questions as we receive them for this next year's broadcast. Hey Joel, what do you think of 2016's commodity prices versus where they have been the last few years? Well, certainly there's some trends down. The USDA's net farm income for 2015 was down 38%. When you looked at the 2013 farm incomes, it was 123 billion dollars 2015 down to 56 billion of course we've got record yields in 2015 but the record yields really made up for the suppressed commodity prices so when you think about producers for the 2016 season how do you see them breaking out well joel the obvious will be some will break even some will lose and and some will make. And I think, you know, and without being too facetious about this, is every every grower has got to understand where their break-evens are. And if they do have a little income on try to figure out, do we use it towards side dress, a fungicide application? What do we do to get the return on investment to help the farm make it from that maybe red into the black? And then that's kind of where it's going to be pretty close right at that break even as what the USDA was claiming that we're going to be at this year. Yeah, so when growers asked me, I had this great plan and optimized yield last year, what should I cut for this year? What are some of the things you talk about when you talk about cutting? Look, I don't talk about much about cutting. You can't save your way to prosperity. I look at if you're going to reallocate your resources, I don't call it cutting, but reallocating your resources into in-season management of nitrogen, in-season management of fungicide. You always have to go into farming, and my grandpa told me this story a long, long time ago. If you bank on it being a bad year, it's going to be a bad year. If you think it's going to be a great year, at least you started off that way, right? You can't control Mother Nature, and you have to go out there and put the populations of both corn and beans and cotton, but you have to put your best foot forward. So our wise old agronomist would always tell us if you plan for a poor year you'll get one and you talk about growing up my parents over christmas reminded me that when i was growing up that we actually qualified for free and reduced lunches so you think about the segment of producers that are in business today that have made it through tough times in the 80s they did it by optimizing inputs by growing more bushels and offsetting the fixed costs but i think you're right you can't save your way to prosperity. You can't cut enough costs to get it down to zero. I think when I was going back to when I grew up too, I was running around in diapers and I always asked dad, what are those stickers that you put on the side of your bands? And he's like, oh, those are sealed. And I had no idea what sealed was. And and that was the time when, when dad never got a new tractor. He never got a new truck every year. And and so I think, well, I'm not sure how long these commodity prices are going to stay down there, but some of these capital expenditures obviously are going to have to change a little bit if we're going to continue to do and spend the way we are. Bankers aren't going to be real excited about us spending the way we are, but just things to think about. Obviously, everybody wants to nickel and dime the chemicals and 
everybody wants to drive down the prices of fertilizer, but if you look at the capital expenditures of the new tractors and cash rents or buying top dollar land, just the other day, some sold in my southern geography for $19,000, Joel, at these commodity prices. For one acre? For one acre. Oof. Well, I'm not sure how 19000 flows at uh, $3.50 corn, but as you think about the suppressed commodity prices, what sort of data are you using on your farm to look at things you should and shouldn't do? You know, I don't want to make this into uh, how we do it on our farm, Joel, but we do some technology on the farm. We have precision platform for planner. We do use the answer plot to go through and depict which corn varieties we want to plant and it can handle the stress of higher population or lower population. Fungicide applications, both corn and soybeans, we do look at that. So I think this day and age with technology is definitely something we implement on the farm. The first tire might have been square, but it is round and they actually make rubber round tires now instead of wooden ones. So I think evolution is taking care of itself in a lot of cases. Can you think other ways you can use technology, Joel? Well, it's always about input cost per bushel. And certainly you've got to refigure some ROIs with a particular response to fungicide on your fields. But you hit it right on the head. Hybrid selection and knowing which hybrid is out there and how to optimize that particular hybrid. The information that comes out of the answer plot is really second to none on being able to help you manage each of the inputs, whether it be nitrogen or rotation or population on that hybrid. And I think that's one of the keys when you talk about the three types of farmers, some that will break even, some that'll lose money, and some that'll make money. Looking at the response scores from the answer plots will be a helpful thing to optimize the acre for the suppressed commodity prices. I think a few of the growers have asked me, you know, next year going into it, I'm going to chisel off a little bit of the seed to lower my cost per acre on seed. And I always say, why? right? Why do that? Do you have any information that depicts whether you should or shouldn't drive the population? And and I just got a couple of cases off the top of my head that I know for a fact that when we dropped the population, it was more of a fixed type hybrid and it actually cost them over $12 an acre. And some of them were more of a flex. So by driving the population versus a, a fixed type ear, you're, you're not gaining anything that way either. So everybody's got a story like that. It's just using the answer plots looking at the LSDs of being the lowest ever at 1.6, I think uh, the story will tell itself. So Kyle, looking at some of the answer plot data, I noticed one of the pieces when you talk about rotation and whether more acres are going to switch from beans to corn, in the last five years of answer plot information, I've noticed that our continuous corn response scores have ranged from about 3.5 bushels up to 30 bushels. And that's been the swing so I would call that a 30-bushel decision by choosing the wrong hybrid for rotation. What sort of management scores have you looked at that have been impactful? The one that is still fresh in my mind was the response to fungicide that we had through our answer plot system this year. I've heard a lot of people tell me, oh, we have to wait until a really wet year, really dry year to use a fungicide. And, and this year in particular, we had 11.7 bushel response to fungicide overall. Everybody's asking themselves, should I do it? or should I not? I think we just need to look at the actual data and it'll tell it it's not a guess. So I was having breakfast with this old time farmer in a small town and 
I asked him, what were some of the things that made him successful in his farming career? And he said, you know what? Nitrogen. That was the reason that he had been successful as a farmer. He made sure that he put plenty of it out there and never let the crop get hungry. Looking at our response scores to nitrogen in the answer plot, the range on those was from 25 to 94 bushels per acre was the difference on select hybrids. Now the average in that is about 61 bushels on average, but just the range that some hybrids could only, in an unlimited nitrogen or a perfect environment, might only give you 25 bushels, but some might give you all the way to 94 more bushels. He was on to something there early in his farming career that making sure that there's no limiting factors for nutrients as one of the key big swings for managing through commodity prices. I think another thing to take a look at too, Joel, is we look at the morphology of the root. When I grew through the co-op and through the organization right now, we break it down and try to figure out what root type works best through the heavy clays, what works best in the sands, what works best on the irrigation. And maybe it's just a medium soil. And, and trying to figure that out is key to know. It's the answers to the test. I mean, without even taking the test, you know what the answers are. And we have a lot of that with response to the soil type in our answer plots, and that was at 15.7. So sometimes it's just looking at the inbred line, figuring out if it's male, female, what does that characteristic of root morphology do on the corn? And it also rolls into soybeans. How does a straight up right plant look on sand? Not very well, right? You gotta look for water preservation and such like that. So you're looking for a bushy sort to overcome evaporation and preserve the water. Kyle, in the ag technology space, I see a lot of companies that have come out of Silicon Valley and they are using the soil survey map to categorize things. I swear if that map was not publicly available, we'd have about 60% less companies that would actually be able to put a data or analytics tool on the market. And one of the things that concerns me about them looking at that soil type information as as the only factor, you know, you talked about 15.7 bushels being the 2015 response to soil type in the answer plots. That range is anywhere from one bushel up to 30 bushel. But the thing that concerns me about that is those might be on hybrids that you had been planting versus the newer hybrids that maybe are five bushel betters. And I think that's one of the differentiating factors when you're making decisions for the upcoming years. You want to look at your soil types and which hybrids did well on which pieces of ground. But one piece that the answer plot data actually provides that's really valuable is on the hybrid you've never seen before, that's five bushel better than the one you were planting. How does that one perform on soil type? So Joel, when I think about population in the last five to 10 years, everybody says push more, push more, push more population. And they're correct to a certain percent. Some varieties do have a flex. And those varieties we want to position on maybe a rented ground or ground that has a lot of variability, right? And so you want to put those particular hybrids versus ones that are more of a fixed type that may be on your home farm or the farm that you've been putting manure on forever since grandpa was hauling. Those varieties, you can push population. And a lot of it is to take certain varieties and put them in an environment that they're not supposed to be positioned. They're not a bad variety if they fall over, right? It's mismanagement. And so we have to start looking at, can the plant itself support it? Does it have enough lignin in the stock if we drive the population to stand? And that's all the stuff we evaluate through the answer plot system. And, and that's why I tell Joel all the time we got the answers to the test. 
So I think if we were to summarize this year's answers to the test by the range of bushels that are most at risk for management decisions, response to nitrogen at 25 to 95 bushel, that's a big deal. Response to nitrogen, knowing your field's deficiencies and knowing which hybrid you're planting, that's number one. Probably number two on there, I'd rank continuous corn, making sure that that hybrid fits the corn-on-corn environment versus the rotated acre. Number three would be response to soil type, ranging from one to 30 bushels by getting that one right. And number four, I'd put to be a response to fungicide. And, you know, that's certainly a management decision that you can stave off till later in the season to see how the crop is doing. But that somewhere between two and 30 bushels. What's interesting to me is response to population gives us one of the smallest returns or the smallest bushel increases out of those five management decisions. Response to population is ranging anywhere from a negative half bushel to the acre all the way up to 17 bushel per acre. But that's the thing that gets all the press time with variable rate planting and the ability to write a prescription to move populations up and down. But it's those first four management factors of nitrogen, rotation, soil type, and crop inputs that seem to have the biggest variation or the biggest reward and penalty by not getting to those right. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think row spacing has another key to it. When I come out of college, I thought, well, just keep pushing more population. That's the key. You get into a narrow row planter, you just keep pushing the population, everything will sort itself out. But you're actually spacing the plants out farther when you're going in more of a narrow situation. So I learned later in life, and so it's subject to change, as I learned, Joel, is you want to explore as much soil as you actually can with that root, which there is plenty of educational studies that only the roots explore 1% of the soil surface through its life science. Stanley Barber, 1981. Right, right. You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperfirth, Winfield Ag Technology Application Lead and Winfield Master Agronomy Advisor, Kyle Reiner. For additional episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes, My Farm Radio, and thedealwithyield.com. Tweet any question you have for the host with the hashtag DealWithYield. 